Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Documentation of accountability is just the starting point. It's imperative that you can demonstrate that it is embedded in the BAU of your organizations. And remember, as businesses evolve, roles changes, go into different areas of accountability, it's quite dynamic. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher. I am the editor at the Australian Compliance Institute. And today with us, we have from Adderock Consulting, Richard Sheldon, back on the podcast. Welcome back. Well, thanks, Kwame. Uh, so last time we had a, a bit of a chat about the delegation of duty in compliance. But today we're going to be looking at something a little bit more tangible, I guess, in, the, in that we had the financial accountability regime get the royal assent uh, not too long ago, which of course means that suddenly everybody's become very busy to be ready for either next March or March in 2025. But as we discussed before this podcast, uh, you know, while thinking about that, just remember that it sort of works in tandem with so many already existing obligations. And that's what discussion this discussion today is going to be about. So what is the ecosystem around the financial accountability regime that ASIC and APRA will be obviously making sure regulated entities are paying attention to? Thanks, Kwame. I think if you sort of just outline, FAR is not just about documenting accountabilities. From my perspective, FAR is the wire framework from which all current and future regulation will be connected. Further, and I think the regulators have been fairly clear on this, the accountability regime is about fostering a culture of ownership, transparency, and ethical behavior. What this means in practice is, is that organizations will be required to demonstrate that how they are conducting business is important as what services and products they are providing. Accordingly, FAR is inextricably linked to CPS 511. It will also be the starting point for enforcement investigations. In some respects, it's low-hanging fruit for the regulators. If you have a regulatory issue and you can't pinpoint to the regulators the approved person who is accountable for the issue that has arisen, then you have failed to implement FAR. The regulators would also expect for significant breaches there to be financial implications for those who are responsible for the breach, as per CPS 511. And just to remind listeners of the podcast, uh, what CPS 511 is in very broad terms. Okay, so yes, CPS 511 is remuneration. It, It focuses on ensuring that compensation practices don't incentivize excessive risk taking. Employees' compensation is a combination of demonstrating appropriate behaviors as well as financial success. I guess let us identify what some of these what these regulatory sort of guides that regulators expect their entities to be paying attention to. And, and previous to this podcast, you know, we, we disc- you've already mentioned CPS 511 in this discussion and CPS 230, the operational risk management is also, I don't want to say a bit of a sleeper because I feel like people should have been aware of it by now. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about what CPS 230 is and how it relates back to FAR? Both CPS 511 and CPS 230 are pivotal regulatory changes for financial institutions. CPS 230, in essence, codifies the necessity to manage operational risk effectively, both within organisations and with third and fourth party providers. It comes on the back of both 
APRA and ASIC raising concerns as to the level of effective implementation of CPS 234 cyber risk, which will run in tandem with CPS 230. And I think there's some real challenges in instilling these um, key pieces of regulation within organisations. And it's make sure that you've got, you document the requirements, but educating senior executives is key. Maintenance of the frameworks that you put in place, and particularly with CPS 230, being able to evidence. And I think I've heard it said about CPS 230, 511, and even FAR. These are show me, not tell me pieces of regulations. The regulators want you to be able to evidence how you've complied with it. And then that comes to the third point, which is governance. Yeah, sure. No, that's excellent. You know, sort of identifying the show me aspect of that. So, you know, if we zoom out from these sort of this bit of ecosystem, do you feel like regulated entities have an understanding of how this ecosystem sort of works together and will impact them, um, especially if they don't get it right? It's particularly difficult given the extent of the regulatory change that's occurred over the last five years. Most of these regulations have come in effect in Australia, have emanated from the UK. So I can appreciate how difficult this can be, given my two decades of implementing these regulations <laughs> in the UK and Europe. Unfortunately, it's an iterative process which will take time for both organisations and the regulators. I really think it took us about five to six years to embed the core elements of FAR, CPS 511, conduct risk, operational resilience into the BAU of the organisation and getting the governance right that enabled us with relative ease to evidence to the regulators that we had and were complying with these different parts of the regulatory regime. Yeah, sure. So another danger that you identified, and I guess you can bring in some of that international experience that you have as well in this answer is you mentioned there was a risk of this becoming an administrative exercise particularly far when implementing far becoming administrative exercise and i can see maybe the other two cps 230 and 511 that might happen as well uh, is this a a perennial risk like you can see this being widespread and i mean and how bad would it be for organizations if they just treat this as some kind of administrative piece yeah, although, although FAR is simple in theory, it is extremely complex and time-consuming to implement and embed to the satisfactions of the regulators. I would also point out that how it is implemented and overseen will differ from organisation to organisation. The level of detail expected, for example, to explain the responsibility in any any area of primary focus, or I think it's PAFS is how it's outlined by the regulators will depend on the complexity of organizations in terms of size, risk profile, and existing organizational structures. Any detail may be required to provide clarity on any of the points of handover between accountable persons. I have heard from senior executives within the industry, to your point, Kwame, that this is a documentation exercise. In one case, the CEO was going to let her executives draft their own accountability statements. I'm sure they're going to be a little skinny if that's the case. Documentation of the accountability is just the starting point. It's imperative that you can demonstrate that it is embedded in the BAU of your organisations. 
And remember, as businesses evolve, roles changes, go into different areas of accountability, it's quite dynamic. So that whole regime, and you know, we used to have fortnightly or monthly meetings across HR, compliance, risk, legal, and the office of the CEO to make sure we were capturing current changes, existing changes, or any plan changes, because there are fairly detailed requirements in relation to reporting these changes to the regulators. Yeah, sure. And, and it didn't escape me there. You talked about having all those departments coming together, which means not falling into the silo trap when you have all this information because you need everybody sort of involved in the process. Oh, 100%. I think, and I, I have seen this to a degree where, I, particularly with CPS 511, that's been for HR to manage. I think there's a mixture of how firms are organising FAR and CPS 230 is sometimes put within the existing operational risk teams. But because of the connectivity that we talked about earlier, it's really important that people can contribute from the other different work streams to make sure this is all going to work in practice and that there's not overlap or even underlap. We found it very useful to facilitate workshops between sort of the key departments I just mentioned, HR, risk, legal, uh, compliance and operational risk. And take example um, CPS 230 as, an, as a case study of if this was not implemented correctly mm. or if there was an outage and you had to trace back who would be the accountable person, how would you be able to contribute it to that individual? Would the individual know that they were the accountable person and what was expected? What was the level of governance that was overseen by this? And governance is key, like the regulators, particularly in the guidance to CPS 230, want the board involved with implementation, clarification of where they think the demarcation lies and being responsible for the ongoing implementation. So having having working groups doing work examples, you'll soon see where the sort of potential lack of clarity or dare I say confusion may lie in a real life scenario. And you don't want this happening for the first time when you may have an issue that's arisen. Yeah, sure. Well, amazing. Well, you're glad to know that we're actually come down to the end of the podcast. Do you have any, you know, anything that you wish to, you could have said any sort of last messages for risk and compliance listeners to this podcast who are sort of probably getting their heads down, getting ready for either next March or March 2025? I think education of the board and senior management is pivotal. Like they, like like many of many of you listening, are suffering not only from regulatory fatigue, but other headwinds they are currently facing. I think it's important that you can bring far and it's how it can personally impact key executives to life by distilling it down and having them engaged in the process is going to make it a much better implementation because they know the risks, they know their businesses. They, the more they can understand how this could impact them personally and how they can assist with their knowledge and insight of the organisation for a better implementation first time round, the better that will be. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Richard. No, no problem, Kwame. Always happy to assist. This podcast has been a production of the Australian Compliance Institute. 
and the music was done by Rob Neary. <laughs>